So we start today's show where we started it yesterday, just with very different, I guess, the end of a storyline to what we had yesterday, but I still think some conversation to be had around it. We opened up the show yesterday uh, talking about the fact that Hugh Jackson and Grambling State had decided to hire Art Bryles, former Baylor coach who had been fired uh, during the midst of a sexual assault scandal that upwards of 50 to 60 women at Baylor who were sexually assaulted under or during the time of Art Bryles at Baylor hadn't been hired at another college since and then was hired at Grambling State this past weekend as their offensive coordinator. Now that will not be the case. Art Bryles informed Grambling State on Monday that he'll no longer be the school's offensive coordinator. I uh, said in a statement that he didn't want to be a quote distraction to the school and it comes after Monday just a huge wave of backlash from around the country uh, college football fans uh, just women's right activists right who wanted to support and protect I mean Art Bryles still in an ongoing leg- uh, legal battle uh, with some of the women from Baylor so in an interesting turn Cam it seemed like they were going to try to push this and battle this but Art Bryles has decided uh, to step down but something I completely missed when I was covering this was Doug Williams, who's a Super Bowl champion quarterback, uh, finished fourth in the Heisman during his time at Grambling State, and maybe the biggest alumnus out of that school, at least when it comes to football. He said, quote, this is before all this came down. I'm not a fan at all. I'm very, very disappointed in Grambling. I really am. I talked to the AD a couple times. They knew where I stood, but they did it, and if that's what they want to do, that's fine. I'm out. And so they were willing to lose the support of maybe their biggest alumnus. I mean, that equivalent, I don't want to bring another school into this, but that could be the equivalent of Savannah State doing something so bad that Shannon Sharp said he's not going to be involved with the school anymore. Right? So they were willing to do that to bring in an offensive coordinator. But after the public backlash, Art Bryles had decided to step away. Yeah, this is probably Art Bryles. That that was his last chance, not probably. That was his last shot at collegiate football in general. I don't, I don't care what level it is, D2, uh, D3, NAIA, JUCO. I think that would be his last chance. I don't really foresee him having a, you know, another chance to coach football, at least at the collegiate level. High school, um, absolutely. Collegiate, no. Um, but shout out to Doug Williams for speaking up about that. You know, It's not just because it's a HBCU. Um, it's because of what he's done <clears throat> in his past, and it's something you don't call for action. You, you, you don't support that. Right. And it's the fact that he graduated from Grambling and like, why are we supporting this situation right now? Let that be somebody else's, you know, problem. But why bring that to the school? We're trying to get everything. Yeah, they actually asked him that. The Washington Post did uh, where the quote is from is they said, they asked him, it's like, do you condone this or do you support this decision? He says, no, because if I support it, I condone it. Exactly. Exactly. And I get exactly where he's coming from. I have a sister, a mother. You have sisters and mothers. It's just, it's still a point of, you know. Well, one mom. Oh, one mom, my bad, my bad. <laughs> one mom. I, I I was rambling on my apologies, but still, um, yeah. I mean, it's if if you allow that to happen, you, you're kind of condoning it. So he said basically, you know, I'm out. And you know, like you said, Super Bowl winner, Heisman Trophy candidate. I mean, that might be your biggest alumni, you know, from your school, probably in general. And he wanted out if you was gonna bring this guy in. So I'm well, glad Brow stepped down. Well, from the Washington Post to. I think another reputable news source, my DMs. I wanted to read a message. I'm not going to say the name of the person because I don't want to give them that much credit, but uh, the message says, 
listen to you ramble on about Art Bryles yesterday. Hope you get fired for a scandal one day and never get a second chance. No one saying Art Bryles doesn't deserve another job somewhere, some point. I think what we said and what I will continue to say is Art Bryles doesn't need to be at an institution of higher learning where no. he is, where he has children, children who he is responsible for. Everybody deserves a second chance, but I think this is what people are missing. It was 52 rape allegations at a university. What is Gremlin State? A university. It's a college. It's, you're putting him around the same environment that he just got in trouble with. We're well, not saying he doesn't deserve a second chance. But no, but also what is and listen, what is the is does everyone deserve a second chance every time? With no. every single No, not every, every yeah. time, but the thing is, it's also this too, not just the second chance. He hasn't even put in work for half a decade. So you're just giving him a job that he hasn't he hasn't done nothing in college football in six years. So it's not like he's just more so just well qualified in the past six years. College football has changed from twenty sixteen. To 22 now. The, the world has changed, changed. but world's it, but, changed but, more, but more so than that, I mean, the dude was involved in a scandal, and he has maintained his innocence throughout this. He's apologized. He said he he wasn't aware. Which Cam, you know how big of control freaks football coaches are. You think like these dudes don't get stopped by the police and get a parking ticket without the without the football coach knowing about it, yeah. right? Yeah, you, you think you think there's 52 allegations and he didn't know about any of it? It upsets me hearing that. Maybe if it was one. Uh, you know, I'll let them pass. But when you have like 52, that's a lot. And that kind of upsets me because it's kind of like you're turning. Well, it's not kind of. You are turning a blind eye to the situation. And I mean, he didn't handle that situation. Hope he. I mean, he has gotten a second chance. He has a second chance at life. Right but, but, but there's a whole lot of people talking about he deserves a second chance. But again, this is a scandal that is on par with the biggest scandals in the history of college athletics with the Larry Nassar case, with uh, the Jerry Sandusky case. This is on par with all of that, nobody from any of those gets a second chance. Well, his second chance is being able to walk around freely, too. Correct. That, and I was, that's, that's, that's the next chance. point I was going to say is for all the people out there saying he deserves a second chance, Mike, I'd be I'd be curious about how you feel about maybe, I don't know, felons having a right to vote. Exactly. He has a second so chance pro walking second chance. around freely and still being able to coach, whether it's high school football. I mean, you say he was in the Italian league coaching. He's had second chances just because – he can't, you know, get a job at the collegiate level. He's been in other leagues, and he's been in high schools coaching. He's still able to make a little money. I mean, we're not saying, you know, we want him. We don't, we're not asking for him to fail. We're not rooting for anybody on this planet to fail. But there's levels to certain things, and him coaching collegiate sports. Let me ask you this. You get, no. fired, you get fired from a job for stealing. Like, you, you're taking the credit card. Uh, you're skimming money off the top. You're putting in false reports so you can get some money back. Uh, on your per diems, right? Like you're 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 doing all that, right? You think you're ever going to get another job at an institution where you handle money? No, I shouldn't. Okay, though. so if you are responsible for a bunch of adolescents, I don't say adolescents, but a bunch of young people, right? Mm-hmm. And there's was sexual assaults running rampant under you. Do you think you're ever going to get a job anywhere ever again where you're you responsible for overseeing young people? You shouldn't. Well, okay. it's a crime. I mean, stealing is a crime. I could go to jail. That's my second chance, and I'll say this again for the people out there listening, is second chance is being able to walk freely. That's a, that's a real second chance for the people that are actually, you know, spending time. Go talk to people that have spent time or are spending time. They'll tell you, my second chance would be just me walking free. Everything else is just icing on the cake. Again, Art Bryles, 
the media firestorm, and I know some people out there will call it the quote-unquote woke mob, if believing that someone who oversaw a program where 50 individuals were sexually assaulted shouldn't be responsible for overseeing young people is the woke mob, then yeah, I guess. Yeah. I guess. That's me. I think more so it's uh, people were just like, how stupid can you be mm-hmm. to Grambling State? Yeah, oh, that was a bad move. That was a really bad move. And then what do you tell some, uh, well, I don't know how aware the students are there of the Art Browse situation because, I mean, there's some students that don't really care about football and athletics. You have that at every university. Right. But, I mean, what do you say to recruits or, you know, recruits in other sports when you got a guy you know, that's at your school and has that history. What do you say to those guys when they learn of his history? You know, so a lot of that plays into factor, but he stepped down. Situation is over. It'll probably take a couple of weeks for it to, you know, get over and just wash over. But hire the right person this time. Hire somebody that's qualified, that's been coaching the last five years. You know, get that staff right. They're, they're doing it well at Jackson State and Tennessee State with um Eddie George. Yep. Get get that together at Grambling now. It is interesting. Uh, I know I reached out to Savannah State yesterday to see where they're at in the hiring process for their head coach, and they said the search is just still ongoing, which it's getting late. Like, spring practice is about to start. And so I kind of the reality that I want to talk about with that as we kind of transition here, we have Graham Coffey uh, coming up here. You can follow him on Twitter, at Dogs Out West. We just, there's a whole lot of coaching stuff going on at Georgia that we need to get updated on. But Savannah State is – putting their coaches in an interesting situation here because it is now March. Spring practice for a lot of schools starts this month, start this week, right? And they still don't know who their head coach is going to be. Russell DeMossi is still the interim head coach, and as of right now, the search for a official head coach is still ongoing. But for the players, that is incredibly awkward. But think about what it means for the coaches because you have guys who are now sitting here looking at the calendar, and it's March and there is a distinct possibility that a new coach can be brought in and not out of any meanness or out of any spite, just want to bring in his own people with him. So a good portion of those coaches who are currently at Savannah State could be out of a job pretty much during the start of football season. Disappointed in my alma mater a little bit. I'm, I'm, I'm a little disappointed because I'm, I'm seeing basketball thrive, especially the girls, and they've kept their coach for an extreme long time. And then you just had a successful couple of years of football. And now, I mean, it's kind of a detriment to the kids. But also, like you said, the coaching staff, those guys don't know if they're going to be here the next month. So if I'm here, how, how am I going to be able to give my all to these new recruits and these kids not knowing if I'm going to be how here? How are you going to go home and look at your wife? Yeah. Like, well, <laughs> you know, we might have to move within yeah. the next, you know, month or two because if a new coach comes in, we're gone. If, you know, Demasi stays and he gets that head coaching gig, we're here. But it's just something that it's hard walking on eggshells each and every day when you want to be comfortable and you just came off of two really, really good – well, three, three really, really good seasons. I, I, I'm disappointed. I hope they get that together because that's not fair to the well, to the guys there currently. I was going to ask you, and this is complete speculation. I've heard nothing that would confirm this, but also at the same time, it's so far in the process now or just in the time frame now. I don't know how far they are in the process but do you think they're looking around the landscape of other HBCUs and like kind of the celebrity hirings that they're making? Like Hugh Jackson was not a good football coach. Mm-hmm. He was a pretty atrocious record in the NFL, right? But he's a name. Mm-hmm. And so you bring him in and he takes over at Grambling State, who might be the most, at least on the national scale, might be the most successful HBCU of all time. And then you have Eddie George 
taken over at his alma mater, right? And then, of course, Deion Sanders at Jackson State. Do you think Savannah State might potentially be hunting for a name? I don't think so, only because if Savannah State was still in the MEAC and was Division One, I, I could possibly see that. Now they're in the SIAC, which is still a great, great, great conference. Yep. They have a, a, some really good teams like Morehouse and Clark Atlanta that produce some guys in the NFL every now and then. But since they're Division Two, I don't really see – them being able to grab a big name because if those big names go, they're going to go Division One, try to get some of those guys to play a little bit, you know, higher level football. But still, I mean, it's the fact that they haven't got this together and it kind of is disappointing. I'll put it like that. And you wonder, would they have Russell DeMossi and his coaches coach an entire season under an interim tag? That's, that's just, good look. right, that's, you have to wait and see though, but again, it's a lot of schools around the country this month kicking off spring practices. We've already seen uh, Georgia. They've been doing their conditioning drills up at Sanford Stadium. Uh, really excited to see what starts happening with Clay Helton. That spring game, you're talking about a spring game you need to go to. Talk about packing out Paulson. You need to go to that spring game mm-hmm. because it is going to be a 180 from I, what you've seen on that offense. Uh, it, just just see what potentially the offense could look like. I might be going to a Sunbelt spring game. I don't know. We'll see. Not uh, not Georgia Southern either, but you know, might be going to a Sun Belt spring game. I've never, I've well, I haven't been to a spring. There's game. There's only so many of them. Louisiana. All right. Raging Cajun. There you go. Got a buddy down there. Cam's going to the rivals. Yeah. So I might, you know, might go check that out. Get some Louisiana sun. But no, um, you know, I I just I, I hope they could get it together. I know they Savannah State just found out about. They just got a softball coach a couple of weeks ago. Right. While softball season kicked in four days before the season starts. So. Hopefully they could get it together for football. Those guys could get it going and possibly, you know, have a spring game and a pretty solid season again because they got a nice program. We'll have to wait and see again. The search ongoing for a head coach at Savannah State. We got to take a quick break. We're going to come back, catch up with Graham Coffey from dogsports.com. Going to update us on the latest, speaking of coaching, uh, on the new coaching hires at the University of Georgia and maybe potentially an opening at the University of Georgia in the very near future. This is Second Down on ESPN Radio. We'll be right back after this. Radio is presented to you by the Uniform Source. Christian Gokel alongside Cam Mercery. Glad to have you hanging out with us here on this Tuesday afternoon. Got a lot more to get to, but up next... Good friend of the program. Going to update us on a whole lot of movement uh, up at the University of Georgia and maybe potential for some more. Graham Coffey from dogsports.com joining us here. Graham, I appreciate you taking the time, man. Absolutely. Now, we, we've seen a whole lot of coaching changes on the football team, a lot of mass exodus uh, since that national championship, which if you're going to have a program uh, like Georgia currently has, it's just going to become the norm now. But uh, you've seen a couple of changes in the past week or so. I want to start... Uh, with Fran Brown, the new cornerbacks coach. Interesting name and a guy that has a whole lot of love coming out of the coaching industry, but maybe not the name a lot of people were expecting. Yeah, definitely kind of an off-the-radar name. Um, wasn't a name that, that I heard you know, early in that search. Really, his name popped up for the first time kind of a few hours before, before it happened. So I, I think caught a lot of people off guard but once you had a chance to look into his background talk to people about him find out more about his recruiting pedigree you have to feel like it's a really good hire for Georgia um when you look at that position you know when you look at the secondary for Georgia you have Kirby Smart and Will Muschamp on campus those are two guys that you know they have Great reputations when it comes to developing guys back in the secondary. They both played in the secondary. 
So it's it's a tough ask to, to ask a coach to come in there, and I think Georgia found a guy who was hungry and eager to learn and probably is not going to have too much ego around having head coach and defensive coordinator hop in and coach his position group at times. And, and that's that's what you need. You need to have that marriage, right? No, for sure. And you mentioned it there. Uh, kind of got to be willing to deal with Kirby Smart uh, and Will Muschamp just kind of looking over your shoulder at every turn just because, I mean, those two guys are maybe what t- some of the top five defensive minds in college football. So uh, it, it is what it is with that. But when you look at Fran Brown, I thought it was interesting. The first thing you brought up was recruiting pedigree. How much of that now, like if you just had to do like a, a pie chart or a percentage, when these coaches are being hired at a position coach uh, at these big-time Power 5 programs now, how big of that pie chart is just someone's ability to go out and get players? Because I know Kirby Smart said it after the Florida game, you, you can't out-coach good recruiting. Yeah, I mean, I think it depends on the position sometimes um, and how, you know, kind of maybe how the staff is already composed, but I, I think it's at least half and sometimes as much as 70%, right? Like, I mean, it's a huge piece of the decision, um, especially in, you know, Kirby Smart's Georgia program. Like you just referenced, we've, we've heard him talk about how he feels, you know, you can't out-coach talent. And I think, you know, that's that's got to be number one priority before anything else. And then you figure out how to organize it later, but you got to get it on campus first. And so I think that'll always be kind of the Kirby Smart MO. And then Brian McClendon, I know we haven't talked to you uh, since that hire, just a very similar thing where you bring another uh, Georgia guy home to take over that wide receiving coach position. But I want to talk to you about Stacey Searles because uh, Matt Luke kind of stepping down, came out of nowhere uh, where he decided just to kind of step away from football as a whole, not take another job, but just maybe take a break. And <laughs> If anybody deserves it, it might be Matt Luke after being the interim coach at Ole Miss uh, and then that whole mess with the Egg Bowl and then coming over and working at Georgia and winning the national championship. If any coach deserves a break, it might be Matt Luke. But Stacey Searles, I think kind of along the lines of Fran Brown, right, where it, it was not on the top five of anybody's list when initially the news broke that Georgia had an opening there, but a name that a lot of former players really seem to be getting on board with. Yeah, to be honest with you, like I, I heard his name pop up a couple times early in that search, and I didn't ever think that he was actually a serious candidate. And I don't know why. That's, that's on me, really. I think it's on, you know, but, I mean, it makes sense. Like, him and Kirby Smart have worked together in the past. They were they were at LSU together under Saban. You know, they've obviously, he has ties to Georgia already. He has ties with Bobo, who's come back. Like, there's a lot of overlap, but yeah, it still caught me off guard. And, and truthfully, I'm still not sure totally what I think of it. Like I, I think it's it's hard to hire an offensive line coach whose whose offensive line was a hundred and twenty seventh in sacks last year and then immediately feel good about it. But sure. this guy has been coaching offensive line for twenty years. So I, I think there's a lot more to it than just some some statistical things from from his time at UNC last season that probably would scare you a little bit if you're a Georgia fan. But I, I think Kirby Smart's probably earned the benefit of the doubt at this point on some of these hires. And the reality is you've got an offensive line with, you know, bookend tackles with McClendon and, and uh, Broderick Jones that look like they're going to be fantastic. You've got 
Van Pran, who was incredible as a true freshman at center. Like, you have all this talent, and offensive line talent is kind of the hardest thing to come by in college football. And so it's going to be pretty hard to screw up what Georgia has already recruited and put on campus. The question for me is, can Stacey Searles continue to bring in that top-line talent? Because that's something he doesn't have a great history of. Just when you look at kind of his recruiting history, there's there's not a bunch of five-star O-linemen on there. Sure, and I, I think we were talking about this on the show not too long ago. I think Georgia fans kind of forget just because of how good the offensive line has been the past four or five years. Prior to even 2017, 2016, Kirby Smart's first year, offensive line was kind of in shambles. But I think when you go back and look uh, at some of the guys that Stacey Cyril sent to the league out of Georgia, I mean, Clint Bowling, Trent Sturdivant, some guys like that, some quiet optimism for Georgia fans there. Uh, one final qu- football question for you here. How likely is it we see Eric Gilbert suiting up for Georgia in the fall? We see the reports he's back at practice uh, with Georgia. You think we see him when it comes to Oregon and Atlanta? I think you might see him in at the spring game. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I think all things are on a good track for him right now. He appears to be in a good place from from what I've been told by everybody. Um, you know, I, I you see him pop up in little corners of pictures on Georgia's social media feed sometimes, and Georgia like pass them or Georgia fans are passing them around like they're the Zapruder <laughs> film. So. Um, I think you will see him, yeah, I, I, as far as I know right now, I would feel much more strongly about saying yes than no. All right, how likely are we to see Eric Gilbert? I don't know why his name is slipping my mind. He's like the best tight end in the country. Cam, help me. Brock Bowers. Thank you, Cam. I don't know why. That's just a complete brain fart. And Darnell Washington. So how likely are we to see Eric Gilbert, Darnell Washington, and Brock Bowers on the field at the same time? Very likely. Okay, yeah, nobody's I leaving. Mean, you know, going back, um, looking at yeah. the tape pretty closely from the national title game, like the, the long bomb to Pickens in the first half, that came off of a three tight end set with uh, Washington, Bowers, and Fitzpatrick all in a, in a bunch formation, all standing up, not in line as blockers. So, yeah, Todd Monken will throw three tight ends out there at you um, without too much hesitation. He does it right now already so i can't expect him to to not do it with those three guys in the room all right let's switch gears here uh from positive news and happiness and looking forward to uh another great season of that particular sport let's go to the sad side of it uh tom, <laughs> tom crean and georgia basketball man it it seems to me like just a completely failed experiment and especially in an era where you can flip a roster just in one offseason right we saw auburn just come in and, and eviscerate georgia's roster this past offseason, where, where you can change the trajectory of your team in one offseason, it, it seems like Georgia has just fallen behind everyone else in college basketball, and especially in the SEC, which is becoming a very good college basketball conference. It's not just Kentucky anymore. Are, are we at the end of the Tom Crean experience? Oh, yeah, we're definitely at the end of the Tom Crean experience. Um, I mean, in a sense, he did flip his roster last offseason. Just, just not the way you want to. <laughs> Flipped it the wrong way, yeah. So nine, we, I believe nine transfers uh, out of the program. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think we're we're at that spot. Um, you know, it's it's been a bad look for for Georgia 
basketball the last few weeks, kind of some of the stuff popping out, him uh, getting caught on live mics, accusing graduate assistants of trying to sabotage the program to the media, just sort of a, a little bit of like air of paranoia going on. Um, and, you know, the, the fight between assistant coaches, it's, it's pretty messy right now. And, I, yeah, I mean, I put out an article yesterday, basically the review that was open to find out what happened in the physical altercation between Wade Mason and Brian Fish, the, the two assistants that, that had a fight at the halftime of the LSU game in Baton Rouge, that review has now spawned a full review of the entire program culture under Kareen, um, which, you know, is very vague and could, you know, not necessarily saying anything big comes out of it, but it's pretty odd to, to bring everybody in and interview everybody in the middle of a season, particularly at the end of a season, right? Um, I think some people have kind of interpreted that wrongly as Georgia, like, going on a going on a witch hunt, so to speak, for, uh, for his buyout, essentially. But the reality is, you know, there's there's been all sorts of rumors and uh, kind of underground whispers of things that have been going on in that program. And if if those rumors are true, then you know it's not a witch hunt if if a guy has been doing a really bad job and doing things that you just can't do as a basketball coach. Um, you would be dumb. It would be athletic department malpractice to pay him three point two million dollars to to leave his job. Now, I'm not saying that they won't pay him $3.2 million, but I'm just saying, you know, they have to legally, if they uncover certain things, then they have to start looking into them, and I think that's what they're doing right now, and we'll all have to wait and see what they find. Graham Coffey from DogSports.com on with us here. I know if you could answer this question, you'd probably be making uh, tens of millions of dollars and be employed by the University of Georgia right now, but in your mind, what consistently holds this Georgia program back, not just with Tom Crean, but in general? Oh, man. Um, I mean, itself, usually, right? Like, Georgia is 70 miles from some of the best basketball talent anywhere in the world uh, down the road in Atlanta. And there's, I mean, the entire state of Georgia down to South Georgia and Savannah and, you know, your neck of the woods down there produces great basketball talent and has for generations now. Uh, it's the problem is that those guys end up wearing baby blue at UNC or dark blue at Kentucky, or now they're going across the state line to Auburn or, you know, they're, they're, they're leaving. They're not staying home. Some of that, you know, you could put some of it on times in the past that like, probably some level of apathy from the administration standpoint, but they went out and tried to make a, you know, a home run hire. I mean, you kind of called, you referred to the Tom Crean hire as an experiment and in a lot of ways it, it was, but I mean, the, they went and paid $3.2 million for a basketball coach, which was something we had never seen Georgia come close to doing. We, it, it was an acknowledgement publicly by the administration that they were ready to make basketball a priority it just hasn't worked out. Uh, so, I mean, I, I think first and foremost is find somebody that can recruit Atlanta. 
Uh, and then in the portal era, you got to find somebody that the guys want to come to instead of run from. And, and all of that is program culture and interpersonal communications and just, you know, making, making people feel good. Right. And so, you know, you want to hire somebody that that's going to do all those things. But I think if Georgia gets the right guy into the program, this thing could turn positive very quickly in, in, you know, a season or two with the, the portal right now. Graham Coffee, dogsports.com. On with us here on Second Down. Graham, tell the people where they can find your stuff, man. He does a great job of covering Georgia sports. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me on as always. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at Dog Out West and uh, find, find us on YouTube for film breakdowns on the Dog Sports Live YouTube channel. We'll be doing our uh, our national championship film review tonight, actually. Uh, so if you want to come and watch Georgia beat Alabama again, which I know <laughs> a lot of people have enjoyed doing for the last 50 or so days, uh, join us this evening. Just bask in the glow. Graham, we appreciate the time as always, man. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you, Christian. Always a blast. Cam, he, he mentioned it there, uh, talking about Georgia basketball, man. It's, it's, I think apathy is an interesting word because obviously the program's been willing to invest in renovating Stegman, like he said, spending over $3 million a year on a head coach. And I feel like when the program's good, the fan base responds, right? Like Stegman will be packed out and it's, a, it's not an elite college basketball environment, but it's a as good as most, right? Like there's 20, 30 places in the country where you're just like, okay, that's different. But I think when you fill out Stegman, it's as good as most places around the country. I mean, you play college or you play high school basketball in Georgia coming up. I mean, what is it around Georgia basketball that's preventing it from, I'm not saying winning national championships, but at least consistently getting to the tournament. It's a lot. You got to keep these recruits at home. Um, Tom Crean, he was a really good coach at Indiana, in my opinion. I thought he was going to bring the same thing down to, you know, UJ and Athens. But, I mean, if you see some of the guys he's gotten, Anthony Edwards, first overall pick he left. Mm-hmm. That's understandable. But you got him. You got that guy. He's the number one player in the country. You got him. Here's what I'll say about that. I feel like it doesn't matter who the coach was. Mm-hmm. I, think was An- I think Anthony Edwards was going he's from to Georgia. Georgia. Yeah. yeah, he's from Georgia. He, he knew he knew he was going to play college basketball for a year. Yeah. He wanted to play for Georgia. And he wanted to play at home. Yeah. So that's why I was getting that. I don't necessarily count that. Um, but if you look at some of the guys, Katie Johnson, he lives down the street from me at Southwest Cab. Jabari Smith at Sandy Creek. Uh, Kessler, um, who's at Auburn, he went to uh, Woodward Academy. All three of those guys are from Georgia. They all three play for Auburn now. Yep. Then you have a kid from um, Katie Johnson. He went to uh, – he plays at Auburn, but he was a Georgia commit. Yeah. Um, he played at Georgia his freshman year. Then the point guard for Kentucky, he played at Georgia. So a lot of these guys that you're getting to come to the school, they're leaving. We got a kid from Upson Lee who plays in at Ole Miss. All these guys going to the SEC. He went to Georgia just last year. Yeah, Deontay Bass out of uh, Windsor Forest. Out of Windsor, you he's couldn't to, keep him home. He's going to Georgetown. Yeah. So it's a lot of it's a lot of really good players. And me personally, I think it's a pipeline up north and a small pipeline out west. But if you're talking about some of the top athletes in the country as far as basketball, Georgia has them, and you're not able to get none of those guys. And you're not able to – well, you're able to get maybe one, KD Johnson. Um, he was a four-star, and then he leaves after one year. Why? I don't know. I mean, you got guys coming in and out, just leaving the program. You got to keep the guys home in order for you to get back to the tournament at least, at least compete in the SEC because, what, they have one win this year? They're 6-21. and 21. 
um, one win in, in, in conference play. I mean, it's it's embarrassing. It's horrible. I remember back in the day they were able to get like Trey Tompkins and Travis Leslie from Columbia. Um, they was able to get some of them guys from you know the DeKalb and the downtown area to come to Athens and play for Atlanta, um, play for Georgia. But now you can't even get some of those guys. It's it's kind of embarrassing, man. I you know I don't want to call for a guy's job, but you gotta get well, somebody I, to keep I, the guys that's home. That's the first thing I asked him or asked Graham Coffee was. Is this it? He's like, yeah, this it, yeah, Tom Green, it. the Tom Green thing is done. And I think it started before this year where, you, like you said, you lost nine guys yeah. before the season started. So uh, just want to get your thought on this before we go to break. We've seen guys like Patrick Ewing go back and coach his school. I mean, we got a guy right down the road calling Atlanta Hawks games, third overall pick, played for you from 1979 to 1982. Don't do it. The, you, you don't want the human highlight reel? No. Coaching the dogs? I don't, I don't, I don't want him to even do that. Why? You know, I want Dominique Wilkins to be happy. Wow. Oh, so, happy. so you're not worried about the <laughs> University of Georgia basketball program. You're just worried about Dominique. Yeah, I want him to be happy. His personal happiness. No, no, no. On a serious note, that would be nice because, I mean, who the recruit than Dominique Wilkins? You know, uh, Dominique Wilkins saying, comes at your saying. door. If you're from Atlanta, you're from Georgia. Dominique Wilkins knocks at your door. Hey, you know, we got a school down here in Athens, part of an hour away from you. You know, we offer some scholarships and, you know, full rides. You want to come play. Mm-hmm. And it's enough talent, and I tell and you. Know, you know what's funny is like the seventeen-year-olds would be like, "Who?" But all the dads, yeah, all the dads, are like, son, do you know who this is? <laughs> this, he he went blow for blow with Mike. Back he's in signing, Mister Human Highlight. Really, yeah. he's signing right now. He went blow for blow with Mike. But on a serious note, it's a lot of talent in Georgia. We have four teams from Savannah right here. That's in the final. What in the Elite Eight possibly could go to the Final Four and. Just one region. I think it might be six teams. Yeah, well, yeah. It's well six four teams. Out, yeah, four out of one but region. Four yeah. out of one region could all be in the final four, and that'd be their technical, the same as that regional tournament yeah. they had a few weeks ago. It's so much talent in Georgia. I don't know how Georgia doesn't gra- grab some of these guys. And there's five and four stars in Georgia. There's a kid at LSU. He's from Lithonia, Georgia. Why is he at LSU? I mean, would it be fair to home? say for like the last decade, Georgia State's been a more successful basketball program Absolutely. than Georgia? Absolutely. They have a, what, a Sweet 16 appearance. A lot of tournament appearances, they make it every year, and they're really good. I mean, they, they're they a 20-plus win team every year outside of maybe this year because I know they've had some coaching changes. But Yeah, coach Ron Hunter, Hunter left, yeah. Yeah, Coach Hunter could coach those guys, but got to get something done. You haven't even been the best team in your state when it comes to basketball. So Interesting. I mean, the folks down the street, the other Atlanta school, haven't been having a whole lot of success either, though. So it's fascinating. ACC so, champs, though. So much. So uh, Georgia Tech? The ACC left. champs. What was the, it, last year or the year before? It was it's certainly not this year. And then if it was last year, it was because a lot of teams, i.e. Florida State, no, they, they canceled. Or was that two years ago, canceled the tournament? Yeah, and that then, was two yeah. years ago. I think, I think Georgia Tech won it last year, but I know they've been a look, They've been beating up on Georgia. I do know that. Oh, I know basketball. that, but they, they, ain't, they ain't real good this year. Nah, they're not real good this year. Hope, you, hope Georgia can get it together because, I mean, every other team in the SEC has been competitive outside of them. I'm trying to see... Conference tournament champion, 2021. How yeah. about that? Yeah, they got the conference. ACC champs. I don't think Georgia I, is anywhere near Are SEC. you really the ACC <laughs> champ? Yeah. Are you the ACC tournament champ? ACC tournament champ. Hey, that's that's the big one. That's the big one. That's tough. All right, we got to take a break. We'll, we'll, let, we'll let Cam simmer on that because I, I think the regular season championship may be more important, but that's just me. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back with more right here on second down. Second Down on ESPN Radio is presented to you by the Uniform Source. Two different locations, 
in Savannah to take care of all of your uniform needs. I can't speak today, Cam, which is a major problem when you get paid to speak for a living, but it is what it is. Why can't you speak? I don't know. I couldn't remember Brock Bowers' name. Oh, yeah, I mean. Struggling. It took a second. I mean. Struggling. Jesus, I like, I would have I drowned if you weren't here. You were my nah, life raft. Nah, you'd be all right. You would have got it. All right, it's officially the month of March, which means we're like, what, three days away? Or I guess two if you stay up late from the premiere of the new Batman. We get we get Robert Pattinson. Mm-hmm. Who? Now I'm asking which movie is your favorite, but out of all of them, who has been your favorite Batman? Who was the the, the trilogy with uh, Batman Begins, Dark Knight Rises, Christian Bale? And that, oh yeah, 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 him. So I, I watched Batman Begins last night again. So good. Um, on Netflix, just watched that. And then I watch Dark Knight Rises and Dark Knight Rises again. Uh, you know, I just love it. I love that trilogy, and I'm I'm excited. I'm going to be there front and center the, to watch the trilogy. Feedback. Yeah, trilogy. I don't know why I say trilogy, but it's trilogy. Not like it's like biology and trilogy mixed yeah. together. It is, but I am definitely going to go. Uh, so you know, Cody used to sit in that chair. You you've never said trilogy before, but Cody used to sit in that chair, and that is a Cody word for sure. Probably just make a words up. But no, for real. I'm definitely going to be front and center to see that because I love me some Batman and that bat, uh, that Batmobile. Yeah. It does look pretty slick. I, I'm not going to lie. It may be the nostalgia factor and just growing up with it. I love the Christian Bale movies. Those are all awesome. It's kind of like the Daniel Craig James Bonds. They're like the super hyper-realistic, mm-hmm. kind of dark, more grittier. Michael Keaton, always going to have a special place in my heart as Batman. Christian Bale's the man. But Michael Keaton, always going to have a special place in my heart. Listen, the George Clooney ones, you take them or leave them. They're, they are what they were. Same with the Val Kilmer one with the nipples. Like, we get it, right? <laughs> but I, I, but Michael Keaton, man, he was smooth. And that, you had the, uh, oh, God, now why is it? Oh, Jack Nicholson playing the Joker. Like, those movies were yeah, wonderful. Yeah, yeah I still uh, that's fair. I think I think most people would. And really good villains, you know, Tom Hardy. Yeah. Playing Bane. Bane. And then of course the greatest superhero villain of all time, Heath Ledger. I'm trying playing to, the Joker. I don't know which one I like more. That's the, the one with Bane or the one with No, the one with Joker. Yeah, I like the Joker is uh, yeah. the best superhero movie. It's one of, it IMDb has it as one of the best movies ever. Period. Mm-hmm. But that's the one thing I'll say about the first Batman with Christian Bale is awesome movie. Super eh villains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The villains were eh, but that eh. second one, oh, yeah. the Joker, it doesn't, it doesn't get no better than that. Though. All right, so we got we got a couple days until the new Batman comes out uh, with Robert Pattinson, and then we'll, we'll 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 give you our full review. Oh, absolutely. A- after we see it, let's take a quick break. We'll come back, wrap up second down next. Second down on ESPN Radio is presented to you by the Uniform Source Christian Gokel alongside Cam Urshery taking you in to three and out here. All right. We have some sad news, potentially, to report here. Bob Nightingale, who is the voice of reason when it comes to baseball reporting. No emotion. My man just reports the facts. In the last three minutes, it went from, the abundance of optimism that prevailed from MLB last night has waned today. Three minutes ago, MLB says it has made its best offer. And then two minutes ago, MLB MLB believes that talks have gone backwards today. In the proposals. So it seems as if we may have gotten further away 
from a resolution, what? which means opening day now will not be taking place when we thought it would. Oh, oh, okay, when is opening day? When was the actual? I think about a, a month from now. I can Google it for you real quick. Okay, a month from now. No, I I actually feel like it's gonna they they might miss twenty. Yeah, little, March thirty first. They might miss twenty to thirty games. Um, I, I hope think you're wrong. It, it, I I hope I'm wrong. Yes, because I would like to see some baseball going on and for our baseball fans out there to be able to watch baseball. But things like this, it just doesn't get resolved that quick within a month and. It keeps, it keeps looking like they're just backtracking over and over again. So we'll be talking about that next there on 3 and Out. Also, Chris Vanini from The Athletic leading it off there at 3 o'clock. Going to break down the Sunbelt 2022 football schedule, which came out, and it includes the four new members, including three of them from Conference USA. Only problem is Conference USA still thinks they're members of Conference USA, so they're on the Conference USA schedule as well. Talk to him. Also, Robbie Ross, voice of Paulson Stadium, going to hop on the show with us at 420 and talking all things MLB baseball up next right here on ESPN Radio.